this is Tom Bailey, and you're listening to PF's Tape Recorder. Hello there, I'm PF, this is my tape recorder. Coming up, it's our old friend Chris Bliss. I said, look, I don't really have the greatest reason on earth to be on these platforms. And Twitter is beneficial to you, you know, because it sells tickets for you. And boy, there was a long pause. Not as long as Kavanaugh's, but a long (laughs) pause. Thought it'd be fun to have Chris on this week because a week from Tuesday is election day. And of course, apart from being a stand-up comedian, a renowned juggler, remember that YouTube uh, video went viral of him doing that uh, big juggling finale to fat, that Fat Boy Slim tune. He's also a big TED Talker. He has a big TED Talk, Comedy is Translation, that's very popular. And he also, of course, is uh, behind the, uh, I always get this wrong, Bill of Rights Project, in which they're trying to put a Bill of Rights monument in all the state capitals. So there you go. So uh, yeah, we have Chris on. We uh, talk mostly about comedy and things like that, but we touch a little bit on the politics as well. Uh, we do have a dumb bit coming up, and we have a, a song of the week coming up from a guy from Australia. Just emailed me his tune, and I liked it. And uh, we'll talk more about Australia too on the uh, other side of the interview. We had some some thoughts on that. And uh, well, let's let's get going. Let's go with that dumb bit. Big story in the news this week, of course, is uh, the bombs that were sent to Democratic leaders. And as of the recording of this, they have uh, caught the alleged bomber. They believe they have the right guy. And uh, when this was all happening during this week, of course, uh, all targeted at Democratic and progressive supporters, uh, you know, our, our president, uh, acting very presidential and leader-like, uh, had this to say. In these times, we have to unify. We have to come together and send one very clear, strong, unmistakable message that acts or threats of political violence of any kind have no place in the United States of America. And thank God in these times that uh, Donald Trump is president and not say this guy. I don't know if I'll do the fighting myself or if other people will. Maybe he should have been roughed up because it was absolutely disgusting what he was doing. If you see somebody getting ready to throw a tomato, knock the crap out of him, would you? Seriously. Like to punch him in the face, I'll tell you. Try not to hurt him. If you do, I'll defend you in court. Don't worry about it. In the good old days, this doesn't happen because they used to treat them very, very rough. And when they protested once, you know, they would not do it again so easily. We've become weak. We've become weak. And you know what? The audience swung back. And I thought it was very, very appropriate. The audience hit back. And that's what we need a little bit more of now. Part of the problem and part of the reason it takes so long is nobody wants to hurt each other anymore, right? I don't know if I would have done well, but I would have been out there fighting, folks. I don't know if I would have done well, but I would have been boom, 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 I'll beat that. Do you plan on paying for the legal fees of this older gentleman in North Carolina who sucker punched the protester? From what I understand, he was sick, sticking a certain finger up in the air. And, 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 and that is a uh, terrible thing to do and in that, front of somebody that, frankly, wants to see America made great again. It's possible you could help him with legal fees if this man needs it. I've actually instructed my people to look into it, yes. That's it. That's all I got. No punchline. I think that, I think that says it all. Chris Bliss is a stand-up comedian, speaker, juggler, all-around entertainer, and Bill of Rights advocate. 
Here now is our interview with Chris Blitz. There you go. Or you could be or do trivia host like me. <laughs> I forgot about mentalist. Is that what, is that what, you're, is yeah. that what you're doing? Uh, that's one of the things I do. I was um, the the my day job is at a, a t-shirt company run by a couple of well a comedian headlining comedian Josh Need and a former comedian uh, Darren Overholzer. Um, but uh, we were having a discussion in the warehouse the other day, and I said I think trivia host is probably the lowest rank. And then I guess there's there's some kind of karaoke host that they had determined was lower. I forgot about mentalists. Oh. Yeah, that's pretty far down. Well, in the, in 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 regular showbiz, the joke that I always did was, uh, you know, that uh, comedian's a juggler, and then after that, it's hypnotist, mind clown, and then it's Saturday afternoon, drunken ambassador to Chuck E. Cheese. That was the end of the line for me. <laughs> there you go. Yep. But uh, oh, but I think that you've updated it pretty nicely. I think the idea of it being, uh, I mean, a karaoke host is pretty low. Um, I did, uh, I did a long, 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 long time ago. I actually was uh, a featured performer at a uh, erotic banana eating contest. Oh, I've, I've heard of those. I've heard of those. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And I also hosted an all male dance review. Uh, at the same nightclub in Minneapolis that Prince uh, sort of uh, broke out from. First Avenue? Yes. Wow. Yeah, I used to work, I used to do all sorts of stuff, but one of the things that Steve McClellan, uh, uh one of the things that Steve uh, asked me to do is post an all-male dance review, right? With a couple of juggling things, break up the stuff, and it's like magical, mystical, marvelous, Michael. <laughs> uh, and uh, the first time I had to do it was like the day after Lennon had been shot. Oh, geez. So, and I'm juggling to be a Beatles song, so it was just, you know, so that's a perfect combination. Man. So, so anyway, I have done the, uh, I have. Not done karaoke, but I've done erotic banana eating and all male dance reviews. I've hosted both of those, and I also have been the act that followed the elephants. Literally, the last live elephant act <clears throat> in America was at uh, John Esquaga's Nugget in Reno. It was Bertha and Angel. They opened every show for 20 years there, right? And this is in their small little concert place, the concert theater that I would say holds, I don't know, I would say 600 people, all right? And the elephants do their thing on the main stage, and then they draw the curtain and set up the band, like, which is like Tony Orlando and Dawn, yeah. in case you're wondering what level we're at here, okay? <laughs> Except that there's also a full out to see Tony Orlando and Dawn. But they need something literally so they can clean up after the elephants before they set up the band. So there's a run. So they built a runway that goes out into the stage, and you go out there and you do 15 minutes. So I literally was on stage so they could clean up. So I've opened for Michael Jackson and I've followed elephants. Wow, that's quite a quite a run across the spectrum, isn't it? That's great. 
Uh, one thing I have is range. Uh, you know, not a great arm, but I can range. There you I can't go. get the ball at first. But I guess... Uh, I can range. Actually, I can... So, well, that's all. I think most of that... Well, the, the elephant thing was as, a, was as a comedian. The rest was uh, when I was doing the uh, rock and roll act. It's, I think a YouTube star must figure in there somewhere now, too. Oh, that's true. I, I always forget that, but they took it down off YouTube. Yeah. Well, no, no. I'm saying like YouTube stars today, like, where they actually have a not so much even like the, a clip of you appears on you because you know you're a different kind of YouTube star. You actually were doing something real that happened to be captured on YouTube. I'm talking about YouTube stars that are that's the that's their shtick. They are just on YouTube, oh, no. and then they yeah. So they got to fit somewhere yeah, on the those spectrum. Those guys too. have like thirty. There's people there with the better ratings than any television show. Oh yeah. Thirty million followers. Yeah, yeah. And engaged followers, and, as they say. And are they, I mean, and it's, to me, it's like, it's talking about trivial pursuit. I mean, am I, am I missing something there? Or is this I don't know, like, really like the funny, the most uh, entertaining kid in the class has a YouTube channel? I guess my kids follow this one guy. He's called the, uh, what is it? The Odd Ones Out is his YouTube channel. And he's got, I don't know, a couple million viewers. And he's, he's pretty funny. I, I, I get it. Uh, I don't know if that translates yeah, into yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Both of them. My, oh, how old are your kids? Uh, Hannah is in. Co- she's a junior in college, and uh, Lizzie just started a freshman in high school. Yeah, and they they dig the odd ones out. Well, now see, this is something, and I wasn't thinking of these kind of YouTube stars because, as far as it's as far as uh, a platform that can empower artists, if you're producing new product all the time, well, that's amazing that you have that. You know? Yeah. So, uh, I was talking about like these, you know, like the guy with his eight kids who's got this, you know, you know what I mean? The, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. The stuff where you go, well, you know, the stuff that's on YouTube for a reason. And, and the reason isn't because, uh, you know, they're producing great content. It's like those cooking videos that Henry Phillips makes fun of. It's the real one of those. I haven't seen, I mean, I'm, I'm going to take from context what you're talking about. I haven't seen it. Uh, uh, Henry's routine, but yes, absolutely. The stuff that you go, wow, it's quite clear while why you are self-producing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. He. Um... But every young comic, even people that are studying journalism uh, or theater, um, I always recommend. Uh, I mean, you have no, and I don't follow my own advice, but uh, you have no idea, no reason not to have a blog and a video channel. Oh yeah. Because. You know, and I have my own reasons for not doing it because I don't think I will live long enough to build the audience. So, <laughs> you know, yeah, well, and I mean, you really—that's that, a long game. It is. Well, I was just going to say, and you have to do it consistently to build that audience. As uh, we're finding out in my day job, is you know, if you if you st- if you keep at it, you will keep building followers, and, and you know, people will, these people, you know, they post things once or twice, and then they just, they give up on it and think, ah, I'll go on to something else now. And, and Josh used to always say that, uh, you know, if a comedian writes two jokes in a week, they think that they've really been productive. You know, yeah, I mean, that's, that. the old, that's the old stand-up that we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. I think Twitter has certainly been, uh, I mean, you, you talked to Andy Kindler, right? right? Oh, yeah, yeah. A friend of the show. Yeah. And Andy is, uh, of course, uh, uh, I, I mean, 
God created Twitter for Andy or Andy for Twitter. I don't know which one. Yeah, he said he was... Go ahead. He had told me last time uh, we spoke to him a couple months ago. He was trying to uh, kind of disengage from Twitter because it kind of it had overtaken his life. But I'm not sure. He, after seeing that my Twitter, I feed, think that's no. I think that that part's true. Okay. But I, I mean, you know, it became an addiction. But also, it wasn't a tool for his comedy. It was a way to reach his audience. But I asked him. I said, "Look, you know, I've been just. I don't really have a, the greatest reason on earth to be on these platforms." Uh, uh, has Twitter been beneficial to you? You know, does it sell tickets for you? And boy, there was a long pause. Not as long as Kavanaugh's, but a long <laughs> pause. Uh, and that in a few markets. So if you're doing it just for marketing and you don't already have the list, I mean, it's, if you've already got the list, that stuff's great. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But if you're doing it to try and build the list, long game. Very, yeah. It's got to be patient. Got to, got to wait it out. So, where are we at with the uh, Bill of Rights project? What's the latest on that? Um, uh, well, Oklahoma is looking very good, uh, and by that I mean past the legislature. They gave us a fantastic site uh, directly across a a, 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 a road to a horse drive that basically is dropping off. Directly, there's this island that's directly across from the east entrance to the Capitol. They've remodeled their whole cap. I mean, they've renovated the entire Capitol. It's been a huge project. What they're doing with their capital is just terrific. Then they gave us this great site. Then we gave them two designs to choose from. I believe our design will be, I can't put it publicly until I believe it will be approved on the 16th of October. And, uh, uh, Anheuser Busch uh, uh, granted the money to get the, to get us to the new design choices, and uh, now we have a choice. We have our designer, and we will move forward from there. And the next thing is uh, getting the design development money. But the hardest part of the whole thing is, uh, I mean, trying to raise money for a, a monument project when you don't have a design is. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so the hardest thing is raising money for to get at least a, through schematic design phase and. Uh, and so we're we're there. So we're and, and every I mean it's the, the the people that are involved and the people that we keep talking to. And of course, you're always going to get a, a some sort of bias in, in whatever circle you wind up in. But still, everybody is so nice. Everybody is absolutely. This will be a wonderful thing for our capital and for the people of Oklahoma. Let's do this. And. Uh, so the overall feeling from this project has always been really good. And now we finally have that first huge benchmark, which is, I mean, the other stuff matters. You got to get the, uh, first you got to get the approval, then you got to get the site. Those two things are critical, but getting that to the design stuff, that's really like, that's a huge, you know, real world benchmark. Now we can show people what it's going to look like. So, uh, uh, I'm, I'm, and the five is just good. So, and uh, Arizona sorted, right? Oh, Arizona's done. It's been a big success, along with two other new uh, monuments that they put in that monument park, which was really, you know, not to use a fancy word, but moribund. <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, really, somehow that word just sounds like the way that... And now it's totally become uh, enlivened by it. And they're taking really, uh, at least the last time I checked, and I sort of stopped checking because every time I checked, they're taking really good care of the monument. They're very proud that it's there. Uh, and of course, the school kids come. Uh, 
I like the guy told me something like 40 plus loads a week is the average or something. I mean, so it's like, and it's great. And it, and it, and it helped We're right adjacent to their uh, Vietnam War Memorial, which is a, you know, a series of panels, uh, you know, inspired by the thing in, in, in DC, but not, you know, just, just know their name, their, their naming panels, their names, yeah. their, right. Well, they had lighting installed when this, this thing was first put up. It hadn't worked in years. Our money was up next, but they fixed the lighting on the Vietnam Memorial. So the part, and with these other two memorials in Mars and, uh, you know, the Arizona, uh, what I'm trying to say is that it really did exactly what we hoped it would do. And I sort of told people, you watch, you know, because this is going to help make this part what people want it to be instead of the dead space that it generally is. And they're starting to get some use out of the park. So it's really, you know, it's, it's, that's gone exactly as uh, as I hoped it would. It's going just gets more beautiful every year, and, and the landscape is growing in. And so it's really interesting, you know, you know, to see that uh, the installation is the beginning of its life. So you know, it's not old. Now the monument's there, and it's like no, you know, something like this. It, it is there, and it and it and it lives in the space that it is in, and it changes with the elements and the. And lighting, of course, and everything else. So it's like it's a very they give us such a great site. Site is the key to everything. So anyway, uh, today today is one of those days you call me where I'm very feeling very positive about that side of things. That's cool. Is it going to inspire other states to to fall in line? And... I think I think too is going to make a real difference. And I also think that, you know I I, that, I mean when they when people, it was first it'll demonstrate we're not doing the same thing in every state. You know, although this will be similar in material and the texting uh, part of it, but the design is totally different. It's, it's uh, you know, it's much, uh, it's, it's just cool, but it, it, it's it's two large interlocking uh, with each, I mean, they're like two large limestone soldiers. That, they, they each have 14 pieces that interlock. Uh, the text is on five of the large surfaces per side, and then there will be 20 images carved in and around them and the rest of the way that the sculpture it's cool i mean and it's also like wait a minute how does that work how is that standing there how is how are these blocks connected you know so it's uh it's going to be just a uh, something that's visually engaging on more than one level and that's what you want that draws people into the text and this guy's so good he's the same guy that did arizona uh i mean it's it's not totally an accident but it was like there was a choice between two and and his was, uh, uh, other than me and the architect who worked, the architect of the Capitol, we liked the other design because it was really arty. I, I think they probably made the right choice if they didn't go with us. And so doing all this stuff, uh, uh, do you still get much time to do to, to stand-up or to, do, to perform otherwise? Or what, where's your entertainment energy devoted these days? Well, I just did a, uh, uh, I just did a, uh, talk in uh, Los Altos for a group, which is, this is the stuff that I love to do because I, uh, except that, uh, I mean, it's, it's weird because most of the time I'm giving the talk and I don't get to do it often enough. Um, in order to make it more timely, I, I change sections or just because my view on the subject, it's based on the TED Talk comedy is translation, okay? Yeah. So the gist of it is what performing stand-up taught me about how we communicate because it's such an intimate form of communication between strangers, and that's unusual, you know, that kind of intimacy between strangers because you're out there very exposed and they know it. 
you know, and they know they have the weapons to kill you if they decide to also, right? Because you're pretty much up there and, and they're, anyway, so it's just, a, and it really teaches you so much about where, how the communication isn't about the words and all that other stuff. So, so I gave them a, a, a talk on it. That was really fun. Uh, challenging, hard to swallow. I mean, I had to reference notes on it, which I hate to do, but you know, you got a, you've got a 50 minute talk and, uh, 10 minutes of it you've written in the last two weeks. And I don't, you know, every time I see something like Bill Clinton, I think that guy's incredible because the, as a speaker, but then, you know, somebody pointed out, Chris, he does this every week, every three times a week. That's true. It yeah. ain't that hard. You do it over and over. You're a performer. You can memorize the text. And I was going, that's right. Once you own the text, you know, and so, so anyway, so I do that. I do some of that. And, uh, and I, and I, I've been writing some new material just, just for me. And, and you're right. And I also, uh, uh, well, I, I also collaborate with, uh, a friend of mine on occasion, he called me my friend. I think I told you about Joel Pett earlier, but Joel's a, a political cartoonist. Oh yeah, he's got a Pulitzer, he's got a Pulitzer Prize, blah blah blah. But also, like he called me uh, uh, yesterday, uh, two days ago. Well, it was, maybe it was yesterday, and he's in Kentucky, he's Lexington Herald leader. So McConnell, he's been writing about forever. And in 2017, when uh, uh, Roy Moore was running in Alabama. They asked McConnell who he believes, and he said, I believe the women. I remember that. Uh, and of course, now this Kavanaugh thing. So the first panel of Joel's cartoon was, I believe the women, he said, and then Chris, I need you to complete that sentence for me in the uh, in the second panel. You know? I said, he said, if you could just text me a bunch of things. So one of the things I texted him was, I believe, I believe the women should lie back and relax and enjoy the confirmation. <laughs> And that's the one that he went with. Awesome. <laughs> so I get to do that. For me, that's cool because, you know, this is limited shelf life stuff. I don't have an outlet for it. I'm not going to Twitter it out to the world, you know. But, uh, I mean, that's it's first in the first place, he came up with a premise, you know. Yeah. So that's fun. That kind of thing is fun. And then there's just comedy that you just end up writing for whatever reason because you're compelled to write about something. But... Um, well, Minneapolis won't be like this. Uh, we can say whatever the hell we want in Minneapolis, but there's uh, there's venues that I work where it's like there is zero upside uh, to uh, talking about uh, what's going on in the country. Yeah, that's what uh, and, other folks have been saying. And because people are actually trying to get the hell away from him, because it is they're inhaling it, whether they want to or not. I mean, they're, everybody's getting secondhand Trump. You know? Yeah. Whether you like it or not. And, uh, and, I mean, uh, I mean, and people are just h hitting the wall. But I had some pretty funny stuff, which I might do up in Minneapolis. Well, cool, man. Well, great. Sounds like things are going well. Um, I got to jump back to the day job here, but I got a lot of good stuff for the piece. Uh, and, of course, it'll be in print the week you two guys are up there in, in Minnesota and all that fun stuff. And uh, the podcast will drop in a couple yeah, of weeks. Yeah, we're going to do a few different things this time. Oh, cool. You know, I, might, I might actually do the closing uh, minutes. I might actually perform the closing minutes of my, of my one-man show that Josh and I wrote together. Oh, cool. I've been thinking about that. About my, uh, uh, It's a feel-good tale of assisted suicide in the last five minutes, of course. I mean, you know, that's what it's all about. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Well, thanks for taking the time today. Appreciate it. 
right. Thanks for letting me ramble. No problem. Bye-bye. Thanks again to Chris Bliss for being on the show for all things Chris Bliss related. Why? Well, just go to chrisbliss.com, why don't you? There you can see uh, videos of a live concert he did at the Just for Last Festival in Montreal. Of course, the famous Amazing Juggling finale. Uh, I think there's a link to his TED Talk, Comedy is Translation. And when he does do tour dates, uh, you can see them pop up on there as well. Okay, so let me see. Oh, the usual plugs. Nearly Lies a video channel. Check, check Hayes' blog. Check those out. And uh, buy yourself a shirt from either Cincy Shirts or Old School Shirts. If you're in uh, Southwest Ohio, you want to make that Cincy Shirts. If you're anywhere in America or North America or around the world, go to OldSchoolShirts.com. And uh, I will try to get a promo code installed in there uh, so you can get a couple of a couple of bucks off of a shirt. Got all kinds of cool stuff. We've got about a dozen cities in there now. And it's uh, like old sports teams that no longer exist, old stores, shopping centers, restaurants, things like that. You dig it. Uh, go to OldSchool for OldSchoolShirts.com. You'll see what I mean. All right. So we're up to our song of the week. And uh, kind of weird how this one landed uh, on the song of the week, uh, I guess, platform. Uh, the gentleman's name is Joe Matera. He's off of Australia. And I just was reading his bio a few minutes ago here. And I didn't think he'd send me one. But I scrolled down in the email. And it turns out he was a guitarist. Uh, for Steve Harley. Steve Harley was in a band called Cockney Rubble, and you may know Steve Harley best as the writer of a song called Come Up and See Me Make Me Smile. I believe that was him, and Duran Duran covered it as a B-side, which is probably how that song is best known uh, from their cover of it. But anyway, uh, he lives in Australia now, uh, does Joe Matera, and he just emailed me out. I guess he got my list off of a name of journalist or something, and he said, hey, would you review my song? And I said, well, I was looking for a song of the week. Send me what you got. And he sent me a tune called Waiting for the Sun, and I dig it. It's really cool. Um, I think you're going to like it too. Uh, he says he kind of compares himself to uh, kind of a Bob Dylan, Johnny Cash situation, but I think the sound is really actually a lot more contemporary. You'll see what I mean. I wouldn't have known. I would have thought he was a younger guy, to be quite honest. And speaking of Australia, this is why this is weird. Uh, my wife and I were watching Survivor Australia. Not the Survivor that took place in Australia, the American version, but actual Australians playing Survivor. They've done five seasons of it off and on over the past ten years. And we've been watching the American Survivor, and we're not keen, but we started watching the Australian Survivor because there was a lot of buzz on the internet about it. So we started watching it, and we really enjoyed it, finished it up. Won't tell you who won, of course, but um, it was really great. And the thing we noticed about it was how nice Australians are to each other. Because if you watch Survivor, America, the American Survivor, it's a lot of, and like any reality TV in this country, it's a lot of people being horrible to each other. And I know you're going to say in the world PF, it's reality TV, and especially with Survivor, there's thousands of hours of footage. They're out there for like 39 days. There's thousands of hours of footage. They just cut it that way. Well, even if they do, the fact that they cut it that way is very telling because the Australians have thousands of hours of footage also, and they don't make, I mean, maybe people are being horrible, but they don't edit it that way. So however you slice it, as it were, Australians are just way nicer to each other or are more interested in seeing each other be nicer to each other. Because even when, I mean, they would say, you know, some nasty things about each other when they, you know, do those solo camera shots on them, if you're familiar with Survivor. But they wouldn't, you know, sit there and just, you know, run people down like they do on the American Survivor. So it was just interesting to see. You know, everybody was a good sport, even when they got voted out. You know, you know, no hard feelings. They all said it during the finale, hey, you know, the, the person that won deserved it, and no hard feelings. We're all glad we were out here. We'd all do it again, and, you know, they all, they all liked each other, so it was, it was very refreshing. So anyway, taking us back to Joe Matera, his song is, like I said, it's called Waiting for the Sun, 
and uh, I think you're really going to enjoy this. Like I said, he, uh, it, of course, he's uh, probably older than me, but he, uh, he actually has a very contemporary singer-songwriter sound. See what you think. Waiting for the Sun, Joe Matera, our song of the week on BF's Tape Recorder. So long, and thanks for listening. Tears you cried until today Drowning in the sea of pain Seeking shelter and direction Alone with no place to hide Emotions well up inside Tears your soul apart Too many questions Inside your head Is this what you came here for? Brighter days are here Your time has come Brighter days to stay No more waiting for the sun Brighter days are here your turn has come Brighter days to stay No more waiting for For the sun Write the cycle of what am I really here for? Stand beside you, show I care And heal your cries of help My heart, it sees your pain The struggle and the rain I'll be here and strong for you Together we'll see Turn